take you on a journey today, and I want you to consider a thought today. It's really easy, if you're not careful, to not realize that there are moments in life when you hear a message that can take where you are and flip it, completely flip it. And I hope this does that for you. I hope this gives you something to think about. Life can become very hopeless at times. You get into this space in your head, I don't know if you've gotten there or not, where you're just frustrated. And you're trying to be hopeful, you're trying to be up, you're trying to be positive, but it just looks, it looks like this is the end. I listened to a, a video the other day and a young lady said, she was suicidal and she was talking about giving up on life. And she said, I found out that I wasn't tired of living I was tired of the way I was living. And that just changed a lot for me in my head. I'm just tired of the way. You change the way you're living and life will look different to you. And I've learned that if you have, I call them success rhythms. There are certain things that just make my life feel better. If I get up early, get you know, myself moving. Um, if, I, if I'm in a clean environment, it helps me. So um, I got this, my, my wife last time, it's my success routine. Do these three, four, five things, I'm rolling. I'm ready to go. If I make up the bed, it's simple, right? right? Okay. My clothes are laid out the night before. I don't like to pick them today up because I, I go through too many changes. I just go through too many changes. That, that's it. Look, let me just figure, whatever it is, I'm going to wear it. That's it. I'm not changing. I really hardly ever change. I, just, I can, but I, just, I, I don't. I found it. I do better. I, I've discovered that there's a workout rhythm. I wrestle with it sometimes, but if I stay within this rhythm, a diet rhythm, and if I do these things, I feel better. If I don't do these things, I don't feel good. I'm not tired of living. I'm tired of the way I'm living. Change the way I'm living. I look back and go, kitchen's clean. There you go. House is clean. I walk out the door and got stuff sitting all over the floor. You know what I'm saying? That's for me. For me. I feel better about me. I don't feel like I got all that to deal with. I like to work ahead. I don't like to write sermons the night before. I'm sorry. That's just name. I've done that for you. I know how that feels, trying to figure out a word and all that stuff on Thursday and Friday night and Saturday night. Can't go nowhere with your family on Saturday because you're all tied up with a message. I don't want to do that. I want to know where I'm going. I want to know when I plan to get there. I want to plan ahead. I want to save some money because I don't want any problems. A bill comes, I want to be able to pay it. I don't like that. That's just me. I, don't, I, I love that. I'm not tired of living. I'm tired of the way I'm living. So why don't you consider the way you're living? And let's revisit and let's approach it differently and see if we can find a better way a better way to do church, online, in person, new way, embrace it, put your arms around it. Don't be afraid of what's new. Run to it and say, I can do this. Let's practice, say, I can do this. No, say it like you mean, come on, say, I can do this. I want to take you on a journey today and I want to take you through a man's life that became a surprise to him and to all who knew him. His name was Lazarus. A good friend of Jesus. If you look at the life of Lazarus, 
and, you, and I'm going to read some scriptures for you in a minute. This is probably the most intimate, casual uh, description of Jesus' relationships you're going to read in the Bible. This was the guy, you know, Lazarus was the guy, you go to his house and hang out. I don't know who that person is for you, but he was the hangout person. He and Martha and Mary were close. And again, you'll hear that when I read the text to you, how it's described. And Lazarus gets sick. In the story, he dies, and it's this hopeless moment. But if you know the story, if we jump to the head, he's the only guy in the Bible by name that we know that was resurrected from the dead. Powerful story in the New Testament. Phenomenal, amazing story. Now, the story of Lazarus is not designed to just show off a miracle. It's a message in the miracle. And in the series on miracles, my intent is to say, do you really believe in them? Do you believe in the miraculous, that God can do amazing things? And each of the miracles that I'm teaching on this month and last month, I did a whole series as well. There is, there is this message that comes through. I can do the impossible. I can take your life when it faces an impossible moment and do something amazing. This is not a circus show. This is not a sideshow. This is not to impress you so you can you know, be amazed at the magical power of God. No, this is a message. When Jesus turned the water into wine, that was a message. I can take something that's not high quality and make it quality. This is a message that I can speak a word and I can change your life just by speaking the word over your life. This is a message. He's saying, I want you to understand how God can intervene in your life. Drop in to your circumstance. This seems impossible. When something has died, it is over. You'll never get better. That's what it seems like. But God can drop in and he can change everything. He can resurrect your life. He can give you hope and a dream that you never thought possible. That's what makes this story amazing. And it's in the book of John chapter 11. And I just um, remembered that we all know that because of September 11th. September 11th, what an incredible Incredible story. On this day in 2020, 2001, a horrible thing happened. A lot of people who went to work that day didn't go home. And it would seem like it was the end. The end of a peaceful America we'd not had since the bombing of, of, the, of uh, Pearl Harbor an attack on our soil. And for me, uh, just as a side note, um, there were people that I knew who died, or people that I worked with who died on that day, 658 people to be exact, who worked at a company called Cantor Fitzgerald, a brokerage firm. I worked at that firm when I was in college, and I worked in the Beverly Hills office. And I remember all the calls to the New York office that was housed in the Trade Center. And on that day, 658 people who used to work with me died. I never talk about it, but it's, it's a sad day. When you come to those sad moments, there is the sense that we can't get beyond it. You get stuck there. And when I do funerals, one of the things I often say is there's something called overly sorrowful, being overly sorrowful where I'm no longer grieving, I'm across the grieving line. 
I'm in a danger zone for me, a danger zone for everybody that encounters me, a depression that settles in. And I think one of the greatest lessons that you learn in life is how to rebound, how to get up from a tragedy, how to get knocked down, how to get up, how to fight back, how to not allow a bad moment or a bad history in your life, a bad decision to own you, where you are defined by it, where every day you look at the tragedy of the past and allow it to define your future. I don't think that anybody in here can say they're without fault. Some of you haven't done some things, and I don't want to play down anybody's wrong. I don't want to play down the impact of a bad decision, but I do want to say he's a God of the resurrection. He's a God that can do amazing things, and so in John chapter 9, I want you to hear this conversation about this tragedy that unfolds, and I want you to watch how it's handled. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who had poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now I want you to listen to how intimate that is. He's not referring to Jesus when he sent the message. When he sent the message, it wasn't like, hey, there's a guy in town here that you met named Lazarus. No, this is the one you love. It's an intimate relationship, a friend. And when he heard these words, this Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Remember that. This is not going to end in death. He didn't say death wouldn't be a part of it, but he said it won't end in death. This moment will not end the way it looks. No, it is for, the, for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister. Notice how intimate that is. And Lazarus, he loved them. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. I want to pause there for a minute. Two more days. Now, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, come on, you get an email that your best, best, your best friend, your Somebody you really love is sick, and you can get there. Why not go now? And you're the guy who does the healing stuff. You would think that, you know, you would, you know, get on your mule or whatever and hightail it over there. This is something I want you to notice. You're going to see this in a minute. That this, is, this is a trait that God has that can get on your nerves. He doesn't always come when you want him. I know they say he come right on time, but you get frustrated with this not coming when you want him to come. Can I get an amen, maybe? Are you, maybe you're scared to say it, but that's the truth. You asked God a long time ago for a husband, and he's not here yet. What is the problem? God. I wanted more money. I wanted a job. I wanted whatever you asked for, and it's not here yet. Why is COVID still around? Jesus. We pray. I bind the spirit of COVID, and COVID said, ha-ha, I dare you take your mask off. How would he let me go through a fight longer than I want to go through the fight? Then watch this. Now I'm going to go back to the conversation. This is the conversation. You know, he stays in verse 7. Then he said to his disciples, after hearing about his friend, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you. You know, we're standing right next to you, right? And you're going back there? 
Jesus answered, are there not many, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by the day will not stumble, for he sees by the world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. Now, let's think about that. You ever ask somebody to say something you just sound crazy? I, first of all, your, your friend died. Now you're on this kick of going back to these places where people tried to kill us, and you talk about some light and stones or something and stumbling. It's like, you know, you're, you're trying to stay focused. <laughs> you're trying to have a conversation with Jesus, and it's like, it ain't going good. So I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what this all means. Why are you letting all, what, what, are we on the same topic? It gets better for you. Verse 11. After this, after he had said this, he went on, he kept going, went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he, he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, gone, gone, he's dead. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. So that you may believe, let us go to him. Pause a minute, think about that. Okay, you're glad he did. Can we just think on that for a minute? You're glad I wasn't there. Okay, so now we're going to go wake him up. Okay, so you meant dead. We thought you meant sleep. This whole conversation is one of those awkward moments when you're trying to work with God here. You're trying to be spiritual, but it's frustrating. Because the first thing I'm thinking, you should have first gone right away. Okay, first thing, okay, first thing. All this stuff about whatever it was you're talking about, you know, um, trouble and stumbling and all that and, and uh, walks by in the night. I, okay, all that. I just, I, first of all, we don't know what you mean by all that. And, um, okay, so now we're going to go, and, and they tried to kill us, you know, specifically you. So you want to go back to the place they were trying to stone you. So Thomas, who does not have much um, um, space in the Bible, there's very few words of Thomas here, but these are his famous words. Listen to what he says in verse 16. Then Thomas called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with him. <laughs> he just said, we're going to die. This is, this is crazy, man. Okay, okay. well, we're going to, you guys ready? We're we about to die. You know that, Peter, you got a family too. We're about to die. This is over. There are moments in your spiritual walk with God when you don't know what's happening. It sounds confusing. It feels confusing. You are not sure. Every step you're taking is by faith. You're trying to be okay. You're trying to be calm, but you're listening to this. Thomas says what they're already thinking. Where are we going back? Didn't we just get away? Now you want to go back, and so now what in the world is happening? Well, in the end, we're going to see, and I'll show you in a minute, Lazarus is raised from the dead, but I want to see you four, I want you to see four things, four lessons on the front end of me reading the scripture to you. First of all, good men die without exp explanation. Good people go through hard times. 
Just because you're going through a hard time doesn't mean you're a bad person. Lazarus was a good guy, was the best friend of Jesus, but hey, notice he went through something. Sometimes we think we get a pass. Secondly, by the way, sidebar, I thought that. I thought that, I thought, because I'm Pastor Rick, because I, hey, you know, my gas can't run out, right? I can just pray over the tank, Father, in Jesus' name, multiply this gas. You're going to be on the side of the road with your saved self. I thought, you know, because I'm whatever, you know, you have this idea that it can't happen to our marriage. It can't happen to our family. It can't happen to our church. It, one of the things that you, you learn the longer you live, everything that happens to somebody else can happen to you. The key thing is for you to be prepared for it and for you to be able to deal with it. The bad thing is for it to happen to you and you can't, you're not prepared for it. All soldiers fight. All soldiers are at risk of getting shot. All soldiers who fight, good soldiers like Lazarus, come to bad moments. And there are moments when there's nothing you can do but wait. But watch what happens. Secondly, in the story, it's amazing how Jesus delays. That's another lesson. He intentionally says, no, no, it's going to be 10 years. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you're going to be right there on that job for another five years. No, you're going to be in this house for 10 more 20 years. You're going to be right here at 222 Frustration Avenue. Not moving. Not going to know. No, this is going to, no, you got to stay right here and you got to work your way through this because this is where you're learning. Thirdly, watch this. What's really amazing is he doesn't regret it, never apologizes. Hey, Lazarus, I'm sorry, man, I let you die. No, <laughs> none of that. Some of you say, yeah, he should give me a few apologies, some things he let me go through. You know what I'm saying? And here's what's interesting. Somebody asked me this the other day. I had somebody, you know, they, they, um, they called me, and they, I love this. Members, you know, all the members have my email address, pastor at overcomingbyfaith.what? Org, right? And they email me questions all the time. I love it. Everybody has my email, so. They said, just email him. He'll email you back. Sometimes I email people today. Is that you? Yeah, ask me what's up. Scare people. So one of the questions this person asked me yesterday, as a matter of fact, if God's God, then why would God allow all these things to happen to people? If God knew Adam and Eve were going to mess up, why did he make them? Just don't make them. And that's what I asked this person. I said, if you knew your children are going to be the way they are today. Some of you already know where I'm going. Would they be here? No, say, answer that. Don't answer that wrong. <laughs> Some of you say, no. If I can go back and push the button, maybe not. But you know what made, you know, if you really think about it, you love them so much? Yeah. You know, all right. Come on. Come on. Come on. I ain't going to kill you. Come on. Come on. Come on. You know. As a parent, it's going to be challenging. But that's part of it. Love makes you try anyway. <laughs> no regrets. God knew. God knew. But he delayed and allowed you to go through. He really believes that the only way some of you are going to grow is to walk through this path. Lazarus didn't 
have the benefit of an early arrival of Jesus. He just didn't come. Jesus seemed to ignore the fact that now everybody was in a place of doubt. Everybody had given up hope. And when he got there, in their mind, it was over. But they were wrong. In your darkest moments, when it seems like it's over, it ain't over. Listen to this part of the story that I love in verse 17 of chapter 11. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. He delayed for four days. Okay. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. And here's what she said, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died if you'd been here. But, but you weren't here. No argument. You don't see her fussing at Jesus. Just said, if you'd been here. But I know that even now God will give him whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know. We'll see him again in the resurrection on the last day. This, this, you know, this is that good old you know, spiritual talk. It's that, it's that, it's that stuff you say because you know you're supposed to say it, right? Well, look at verse 25. Jesus said to her, you know what, girl? I am the resurrection. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now, here's that, here's that miracle moment. Here's the moment where he says, okay, I tell you what, I know what you're seeing with your eyes, but I'm telling you something. I have a miracle potential for you. I have a miracle potential for you. I've got it. I've got it. I want to tell you something. I'm, I'm, uh, Mary, listen, I am the resurrection. You're looking at it. You're looking at the answer to your problem. You're looking at somebody that can flip the switch right now. I know it's loss. I know your job, your career, your health, your sense of who you are can all be down and dead and buried and you think it's over. But I'm telling you, I am the resurrection. Say it slow. Remember, I am that I am. He said, I am the resurrection. Pay attention. Do you believe this? Now, see, and this is where it changes. Some things you can't see up into. You're half obedient. You half obey God. You half do what he says. And you're trying to peek in. That's not how you do it. I love what a preacher said one time. You got to climb over. Totally commit. Yield yourself. Surrender. One of the greatest dreams I ever had as a teenager. I had some of the most powerful encounters with God as a teenager. I was 16 years old. And I would pray a lot. I'm tell you something. You want to unlock your life? You want to change everything? Have a conversation with God more often. And in that conversation, I saw myself standing on a diving board. I told him many times. And, I, and this came to me. The, he said, this is me. The, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the water. Jump in and drown. Totally surrender. I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercy of God, present your body as a living sacrifice. You are half committed. You know about sports. You're not going to be good at basketball unless you play all the time. You got to be committed. That's why I used to play every Sunday. I played four or five times a week. Dribble, play. Make, make your move. I, I, I was, I was, and when people see me play, they're surprised. But I used to worship basketball. That was my God before I came to Jesus. 
I was always playing basketball. Everywhere I could, anytime I could. I made my wife mad with me playing basketball. She had to pray for me. I remember I did a graduation at a, at a college, and, they, and, and when I left speaking at the graduation, I walked across the gym floor. I had to take my shoes off. <laughs> I did. I took my shoes off. I'm on holy ground. And then I found me a basketball. She said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. I got to shoot. I got to take a shot. Oh, boy. Feels good when it goes in. In that moment, in that amazing moment, when you see the power of a deliverance, when you see that it's not over, and that's what it feels like when I pick up the ball. If I miss, I keep shooting until I get it because I got I to gotta feel like I still, I still got it. I still, I still got the touch. But some of you feel like you done lost all the touch. No hope. No resurrection. No potential for you. In this moment, he's talking to her and he's saying, you still got it because I'm here. Come on, say, I am the resurrection. Watch what he says. The one who believes in me even will live, will live even though they died. Verse 35, then Jesus wept. The Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could, could it be, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man and kept, could he not have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. And I want you to think about this moment. They're looking at Jesus and they're thinking, if he were here, he could have fixed this. But we're past that moment. That's where a lot of you are. You're right where they were. If I were younger, I could have fixed this. If, if, you, I don't know what your if is, but listen to what they're saying. If, could he, if he were here, maybe if he were here then, but, but, but we know it's too late now, and that's where you are. You think it's too late to be healthy. You think it's too late to change. You think it's too late. You came in here just to hear a message because you already dead in the grave and it's over. You got your fingers sticking up out the grave, waving for the angels to come and get you because you know it's over. You can't look any better. You can't be any better. You can't be happy again. It's impossible. But that's not what he's saying. That's what they're saying, but that's not what he's saying. He gave her a hint. I am the resurrection. I am the career builder. I am the restorer. I am the fixer. Of the broken. I am. You can look, if you hang with me, you're going to be shocked next year what I can do in your life. Watch this. The Bible said, <laughs> Jesus once more deeply moved. Take the stone away, verse 40. Jesus looked up and said, now watch this prayer. Father, this is in verse 41. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. 
He didn't even say nothing yet. Not allowed. Not allowed. Before he starts praying, he's already heard in his mind. Verse 41, 42 rather. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. Now he's praying out loud that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, I love the King James, come forth. Now, now, now you got to understand, if you're standing and you're watching this, you're a little bit confused because I'm like, okay, now when you know, I don't know what you, what, 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 what he, what's he doing? What, what, what's he doing? What, what, what is he doing? What, what, but I believe this is, the, this is a powerful moment. There are times when God will jump into your life and save you and fix you and restore you and give you what you never thought you could have again. God can do. This is not a story to show you some magic trick. This is not written in the Bible so you can say, what a great miracle worker. This is about you. He's saying, just like I walked over to that place and the Bible said they didn't want to open it because he's stinking by now. Your, look, your dreams are stinking already. You already done gave up on everything in your life. But I'm telling you right now, he can speak to your life and change everything. Amen. Come on, say man. He can change everything. But here's the problem. He didn't do it the way you wanted him to. He didn't do it the way you prayed. He didn't come when you wanted him to come. He didn't open the door the way you wanted. He allowed you to fail. He allowed you to be buried. He allowed you to stink. He allowed you to be in trouble. He allowed you to feel lonely. He allowed everybody to give up on you, but he said, don't worry, I am the resurrection. I don't care what it looked like, what you smell like, what you did. I don't care what your past looks like. I'm still the resurrection and the life. Can you say amen with me, church? I am. I am. I told you my story last week about me being a bus person, moved to a car person. Every time I get up and I look around me, I say, God, you are the God who can raise the dead. Bob said, dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with striped strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, I would wonder what Lazarus was thinking. Here he was. Dead. Now, I've been told you wake up in heaven, sort of. That's what I've been told. And so I don't know what he was doing, but somebody must say, you got to go back. <laughs> he wakes up and his eyes open and he heard a voice he knew. He heard a voice he couldn't say no to. He heard a voice that turned everything around. And when he first started moving, he couldn't quite move like he wanted to move. But I can see that man walking out the grave with that stuff all wrapped around him. And then I can see the Lord saying, cut him loose. Watch this, my friend. If you listen to Jesus long enough, I don't care how bound you are, how buried you are, how lost you are. He going to cut you loose. He going to fix your life. He going to turn this thing all around. I don't care how much COVID you saw. I don't care how many people died. I don't care how much money you lost. I don't care how bad your business was. I don't care how embarrassed you were. You might have gone to jail. You might be out. You might still be in there. But I'm telling you right now, he'll cut you loose. He's the resurrection in your life. Can you say amen, church? Stand on your feet with me. Boy, I'm over time, but I had fun. Man. 
I preach this because I believe this. I believe it's time for you to declare in your life that he's going to come to you because you're important. He's coming to you. You have value. And I want to pray. Father, I pray for those today who are tempted to believe they can't. There are a lot of pastors who are giving up today. But he's the resurrection and the life. Sister Lucky, you're right. We need to give thanks. What you just typed in that chat is right. Oh, give thanks. I like the way she wrote it. Okay, thanks. In the name of Jesus. Father, I believe by faith that your hand is on us. I believe the power of the living God is going to free people today. I believe that the hand of God is going to deliver people today. And I pray that your spirit would heal and lift minds and hearts beyond what didn't go right, beyond how long they've been waiting on God and know that he's still the resurrection and the life. There's a future beyond today. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, what I need is I need God to resurrect my spiritual life. My spiritual life has been out of sync. If you want me to pray for you, because that's where you are, I want you to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Where you sitting? I see you. I see you. Anybody else pray for your spiritual life? I see two here. I see another one there. Two, four, five, six, seven. I see you. Father, I pray for all who raise their hands today, many online. I'm praying for you that if you would say, yeah, Pastor Rick, this outrage, pray for me. Just type that in the chat. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Just type that in the chat. I need God to touch my spiritual life. I need God to do something in my life. I need God's hand on my life. I need to, I need to review my walk with God. Just type that in the chat. Father, let this be the moment of healing for those who are watching, both here and on demand, grace, healing, and strength to them. And may they find your strength to be what brings deliverance to their life. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. Jesus, you died for them today. May their lives rise and walk in freedom. For some, they've given their lives to Christ for the first time. And I pray, God, that you would touch those who are saying, pray for me. Let this be the moment I see more of you typing it in right now. I'm saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need to make this decision to, to make a change, a direction in my life. So I declare that by faith. In your name I pray. And everyone say amen.